0: Heavenly Father, we just thank you um, for this book of Daniel, and we thank you for uh, Ashley and his previous studies uh, that he's um, studying, that he's done to prepare himself for this. We know that he has been a passion of him over the last a uh, couple of years. So, Lord, we just pray Lord, that you'll help him as he uh, opens up your Word, uh, open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say uh, to us. We pray for the children as well in their le- lesson. We just pray for the uh, the young ones, and we just pray, Lord, your you'll, Draw close to them, um, encourage the, the the parents as well as they um, as you seek to, uh, or they seek your help uh, in the way that they should go in the way that they are uh, reared and raised. Uh, we just pray for protection on every single one of them. Lord, we just pray for Hannah and Justin at this time. We pray for uh, the fact that she is quite anxious at this time in hospital, not uh, wanting to be where uh, uh, where she um, or not being where she wanted to be. And We just pray, Lord, for a safe uh, uh, delivery for uh, baby Napton. Uh, uh, um, Napman. We, we are. I'm thrilled to uh, uh, the fact that we don't know what it is, and we're excited to find out. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you just. Um, uh, we thank you for the skills of the people that are looking after our Lord, and the um, and the expertise and the facilities that we have um, so close by. We just pray that you will just be with them, and draw your loving arms around them in our prayers. Uh, just completely um shower over them at this time but we look forward to uh, uh to the new one arriving soon lord we just pray also for continued wisdom in the treatment for claire and uh we pray for the uh, f- well, thank you for the safe traveling up and down to sunderland um this last week and we just pray lord for uh, comfort uh and also uh, um, swift answers and the right um decision and um correction that has to be made lord we just pray for the skills um that are um, needed for and for and we thank you for such people that are able to do these things but lord we just pray for um, um comfort and um, uh, painless time and um, all the different juggling my kids and whatever it may be lord we just pray lord that you will just help them as a whole family and, and Ashley supporting um, her as well and the other and the extended family as well helping out as well we just pray that you will just um, bless them at this time and that we'll get swift answers swift swift resolve uh, to this situation lord we just um uh, thank you once again for uh, uh, for ken and his life and we just pray lord that uh, uh the, some of the skills that he had in the fact that he could uh, could and would uh, just talk to anybody uh, about anything and it was absolutely fantastic and i just wish i had that ability to be able to just go to anybody and start a conversation but we just thank you for and we just pray, Lord, for the um, preparations. We probably won't get uh, involved with any of that because, obviously, it's a big family, close family, and and we just uh, uh, look um, not quite sure uh, what uh, involvement there will be, Christian involvement. But Lord, we just pray Lord, that um, uh, it will be a good uh, service that He um, hopefully had some major input in and that they would um, see out his wishes. Uh, but Lord, we just um, thank you that he's no more in pain or in suffering and he's with you. And we just thank you for that. We just pray for others that aren't able to be here, especially um, pray for Shirley, who's um, uh, still far from well. And we just pray for the to and fro-ing and the, um, for, for Des in his age as well, uh, and the girls that have been poorly as well. Lord, we just pray for a blessing on that family. Um, we also pray for Ruth and Judith, and um and others lord that um if i try and name everybody i'll definitely try and forget somebody lord but you know them you know us individually you know our individual needs and what we're going through today tomorrow next month whatever it is you know about everything to do with us lord and we thank you that we can um put to you as our closest friend that knows everything about us um but also we need to remember that you are not just god or matey but you are god almighty and lord we pray lord that you'll help us to humbly now hope our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us through your servant ashley we ask you in your name amen thank you
1: morning everyone Kev, uh, thank you for your opening, thank you for leading. Uh, Kath and Magic, thank you for your music report, and John at the back, and and Beryl for reading, for those that have been part in our service so far. So we're going to have a look then at Daniel chapter 1. Now, if we were to do a survey this morning, and we were, you know at the end of a survey, when you have all the boxes to tick, and those boxes seem to go on and on and on and on and on, well, I want to just ask one little bit, how many of you could tick the box that says ages 14 to 17? here this morning, just by show of hands. Okay, right. So 14 to 17 year olds, we have a few of you. So the life that we're gonna talk about this morning happened to a young man who was probably in the 14 to 17 year old bracket. That's where the life of Daniel starts. He starts as this young man who came from this tiny little nation of Judah. So we're going to see the first public events of the life of a teenager some 2,600 years ago. We're going to look very briefly at the beginning of his rise to political prominence in two of the biggest world empires world history has ever seen. You would have picked up from our reading that King Nebuchadnezzar himself said there has never been anybody like Daniel stand before him when it came to his examples and it came to his understanding and it came to his wisdom. You see, what we have in Daniel then is somebody quite incredible, somebody gifted with wisdom, intelligence, birth and brains. A man who had first-hand experience of of miracles, of visions, of dreams from God Himself. And yet, what marks Daniel out as unique is this no matter what he faced, he was faithful in his culture. No matter what he faced, he was faithful in his culture. And so, that is our challenge this morning as we begin to unpack Daniel chapter 1. How do we, as believers in God, stand as faithful in our culture today. Now you might say to me, Ashley, hang on a minute. Daniel lived two and a half thousand years ago. The culture was vastly different. Well, I'm gonna treat you to two very rapid history lessons this morning. They're gonna show you that the culture, while it was different in terms of who it was, when it was, and how it was, and so on, it will come as no surprise that the problems are the same. So how do we apply Daniel chapter 1 to us this morning? What examples can we learn? What examples can we pick up on? Well, the, f- the fact of the matter is, is this. This opening chapter is how Daniel begins his memoir. I heard this book once called The Memoirs of a Civil Servant. Now, we can pick up on all sorts of civil servants and think, are some memoirs I'd like to read. There's some juicy bits in there I'd like to get to really know the truth of what happened. And yet here we have the manuals, memoirs of a civil servant. And so how do we do it? How do we stand for God in the culture today? How do we do what Daniel did? Well, let's look at Daniel chapter 1 and let's begin to find out. So when Beryl read, our passage to us the verses started with these words in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now if we were to stop there and to hold that and once you understand a little bit of how big Jerusalem was and you understand a little bit of how world superpower Babylon was you thought all right that's not difficult that would be a bit like me taking on an ant stamping on it and then running up and down showing the world how great I was. And then we get these words in verse 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. What does that mean? The question we need to look at of that is why? Why did the Lord allow Nebuchadnezzar to come along and crush this tiny little nation? Nebuchadnezzar had made a habit out of it. The Babylonians had made a habit out of it. Their whole history is littered. with nations that they've been around battered, took people on, brought their new empire in, built up, became one of the world's superpower, and everybody is happy. That was in the Babylonian world. And yet, if that is so obvious, why is Daniel's writings so clear about the fact that the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand? And... As the second part of verse 3 says, what's the significance of that phrase? With some of the vessels of the house of God. What's so important about that? Well, I said I promised you two very rapid history lessons, and here comes the first. Israel was taken captive, surprise, surprise, because of its own disobedience. Now, if any of you know anything about the Old Testament, that will not come as a surprise to you in any way, shape, or form. And yet where we read this is in chapter 29 of the prophet Jeremiah. His prophecy outlines the whole reason in that chapter as to why we get this whole understanding and this whole existence of why the nation was carried off by Babylon. Why God, God Almighty, who could have wiped out the Babylonian Empire as he did with so many other nations and kings that came up against the Israelites said no. You are going to be subject to seventy years enslaved in Babylon. Well, I put it to you that it was one of several reasons, but I'm just going to run very, very briefly through those. You see, because two Chronicles says this very clearly. Therefore, he that brought up against them, the king of the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans. If you read uh, Scripture, you will understand as being the Babylonians; they were one and the same. You will also remember that Abram came from Ur, the land of the Chaldees, so Abram himself was Babylonian as we go back way into the history these people are intertwined and these histories one are symbiotic and yet here we have the Lord brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed the young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on the young men or virgin or man of or, or aged he gave them all into his hands and the vessels of the house of God great small And the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and of princes, and all he brought to Babylon. To do what? To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept the Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Now, we need to do a little bit of maths this morning. A little bit of maths. When you look into, don't panic, when you look into the timeline of how long Israel's disobeyed God for, it equates to roughly 490 years. The the Sabbath year was to be what year? The seventh year. 490 divided by seven is what? Come on. Thank you. 70. How long were the Israelites in Babylon? Right. Now do you understand why the the nation was captured? We say we don't need to listen to God's word as a nation, as a group of people. The Israelites said the same thing. We don't need to listen to God's word. We're going to do it how we want it. We're going to do what we want. Okay, fine. You go and do what you want. You've made your bed, you lie in it. I'm sure God didn't use those words, but you get my point. You made your bed, you lie in it. You're not going to give my land rest. I will give my land rest. Why? Because I'm not mocked and I'm not robbed. God, I'm going to give that land rest. So I'm going to give that land rest that you never give it. I'm going to take away your best. I'm going to take away your brightest. I'm going to leave your everyday people, your farmers, your laborers. And they're going to look after my land and they're going to give it rest for me for 70 years. You don't want to listen to God's words? Fine. At some point, friends, your 70 years will come. I don't know when that will be. But at some point, your 70 years will come. So that's the background of how Daniel finds himself in this particular Pickle. You see, now there is, there is a, a fantastic book uh, by a man called Harold Hoyner and he puts that in a very succinct way, and it says this, according to 2 Chronicles, the land will be desolate for 70 years. One may conclude, therefore, then, that in the history of Israel, 70 sabbatical years will not be kept. Now, you can forget all of what I said. Take that little simple statement and phrase and put it over the top of verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and seized it. That's your first very rapid history lesson. Don't panic, your second is approaching very, very quickly. But what we need to realise from this is that God has removed (laughs) his hand of promise and his hand of protection from the nation of Israel. Let me ask you a very serious question this morning. How many of you read the news before you came to church? Just by show of hands okay a few of you good okay that's fine that's not a problem i'm not going to ask you this is not a pop quiz not a test i didn't read it but when you read that news was there did you read things news that made you think what's going on what's happening how have we got to this point well i going to ask you a very serious question one that you ponder over your beef or whatever alternatives you have on a sunday has the lord removed his hand of protection from this land Go on think about five reasons why or why not. I'm not going to test you. This is just for your own understanding. Do we think, like the like Israelite nation, that the Lord has moved his hand of protection from that nation and that we see calamity then as we do now? So Nebuchadnezzar then, he put these vessels. I don't really know if they look like this, but this is the closest thing I could find, so just run with me. He put these vessels in the house of his God more modern and more simple phrase he put it in his museum nothing unusual in that many kings and emperors museums displaying their ill-gotten gains there are many museums around the world how it's not clear that the things are in there were bought paid for or acquired otherwise and nebuchadnezzar's museum was no different but the question is why are they there why are those vessels in nebuchadnezzar's museum You see, one of the major topics of Daniel, and as you explain the whole book, you will see why, is God is interested in the value system. How do we value God? You see, Nebuchadnezzar valued God nothing. He just put his vessels, he just put the things that he ordained as holy and sacred and just left them in a temple. Would it be too far of a stretch to suggest that Daniel and his friends went to that museum? Because they knew that those vessels were in there. And they remembered time and time and time again friends, what God had done for them. You see, because that's no different to what we did this morning. When I found out that this morning was a communion morning, this is part of the reason why I picked this passage. Because there is so much link in the Old Testament to what Christ left us. There is so much within it. The link between the vessels and what we have in the bread and the wine. It was God's way of reminding us. You know, we all sat there nodding and smiling when Kev said he's forgotten what he'd got from the office to the you know, you, know, you know, there'll be those of you that will go upstairs, stand on the landing and wander around in vacant blank expression thinking, what am I doing up here? You know, Claire will ask me to do something and I will all intention of, yeah, I'll go and do it. An hour later, gone. Completely. Or in other words, Claire will ask me and I'll say in a minute. And at 61 seconds, Claire has done it herself. Because we forget. And so God gives us these things and these ways and these reminders to help us out. And yet, what you can imagine, so says John Lennox in in his book on Daniel, is this. Daniel and his friends going to the museum to admire the vessels and to reflect on their meaning. The gold, it was expensive. And it showed how much the nation valued God. And that is one of the reasons why we come and we remember. If you've never seen a bread and wine before, you've never seen this, this is one of the reasons why we do it. We come and we value God as ultimate, as everything. And so this is the way that God has instructed us to remember him, or to remember his son on the cross, and this is what we do. And so, let's rapidly approach then our second history lesson this morning. Nebuchadnezzar was was in a long line of intellectually brilliant rulers. His plan was to dominate and create this world superpower. He did it by picking up the brightest and best of the nations he conquered. He did it to the Jewish ruling classes. That's what Daniel and his friends mentioned in this passage. Daniel would have been one of the Jewish elite. He would have been one of the future nations' leaders. He was an incredibly bright and incredibly switched on person. He had to be pleasing to the eye for public appearances. They had to be mentally sharp. They had to be polished, socially just so. If you look at the good parts of our current royal family, you will see that 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 gives you a picture of what Daniel is and what Daniel was. They had to be just so. You see, these training of public life would have started somewhere, as we said at the beginning, between the ages of 14 to 17. So, if you're a 14 to 17 year old lad and you fit into those, you know, you might find yourself handsome. You might think that you're just socially so. You might, don't, don't look at anybody. I'm just making the point. <laughs> and you find yourself in that bracket, you would have been very early on prepared for public life. You know, Instagram would have been lit up or whatever it is with your picture. That's how it would have been you would have been this person who was very public. And so Nebuchadnezzar was incredibly brilliant because he didn't just do that to your nation. He did that to every nation he subjected to his wrath. So he took the brightest and the best. He took the accountants. He took your professors. He took your medics. He took your astronomers. He took your engineers. Your farmers, your railwaymen, everybody else. They got left. They were just There. Because what he would then do, you see, is once he trained these people in the way that he wanted them to be, he would send them back to run their own nation. But he would do it knowing that they still had and still knew that if they misbehaved, they would suddenly become detached at the neck. That was the way that Nebuchadnezzar ran his empire. So Daniel and his friends then are teenagers when they are dragged from their home, and everything they know, and they are forced into this incredibly strange culture. And yet we realize and recognize that these men will go on to be faithful in their culture. But what is that culture? What does it look like? How do we unpack it? How do we get a sense of the task that fell before Daniel? Well, in order to do that, we need to unpack the second half of verse 4. And it reads this. And to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The literature and the language of the Babylonians. Now, if you were to do this in Britain, how would you teach somebody uh, the literature and the language of Britain? Well, you'd subject them to Shakespeare, because that was part of our history, part of our culture. You'd explain to them what the Magna Carta was all about. You'd explain to them why we have a royal family. You'd explain to them part of our history. You'd talk Nelson, Waterloo, and every other great event that has happened. That would be your history lesson. Well, friends, we're about to have a very rapid history lesson of 400, 500 years of Babylonian history. Because Babylon started with this man. And you're all going, oh yes, I recognise him. I know exactly who he is. I had tea with his great, 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 whatever. This is King Hammurabi. He was arguably the greatest ruler that the modern Babylon had. The victory over four powerful princes and the unification of Mesopotamia are themselves remarkable achievements sufficient to single out, so says Georges Roux, uh, the great uh, the French historian on ancient Iraq, as one of Mesopotamia's greatest leaders. So, this is the start of modern Babylon. This is his law, it is the code. Of Hammurabi very clever man gave it a very simple name you want to talk about what a law looks like this was a law that was absolutely brutal for those that broke it and yet it was absolutely socially fair in every way shape or form it's one of the earliest legal systems we have that predates a lot of what is written in the old testament you will notice that it is conical in its shape The picture right at the very top is a picture of Hammurabi uh, holding a lion, but lions by Daniel's story will wait for another day. And yet here we see then this great man who starts off the incredibly modern empire. He would go on to write Cuneiform, which is a cylindrical text, but it wasn't a language in the way that we would know English or French or any other language that we recognize. It was the language that encompassed every part of modern day life. You could could do maths from it, you could do business exchanges from it. Do you see how advanced this culture was? This is now the best part of three and a half thousand years ago, give or take. This is an incredibly advanced culture. Okay, let's go on to mathematics. I know you like mathematics. Who feels they can count to the number 12 on one hand using four fingers? Now, Rich, I've told you this before, so no, you're not allowed. There were some of you that are sitting there thinking, I can see a few of you thinking, what? Well, I mean, I know I'm from Devon, I have an extra finger, but, but I, haven't, I haven't worked this bit out yet. So, number 12 on one hand. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It was the Babylonians that worked that out. So, what else did they work out from that number? That it divides quite largely into the number six. What do we base our mathematical systems on? The number 10. Yeah, yeah? So we have 10, exactly, so on. Not the Babylonians. That was far too simple. We need a sexagesimal number num- system. So we base it on 60. How many of you are wearing a watch? Stick your hand up. Come on, arms up. Let me see if you're wearing a watch. How many seconds in a minute? How many minutes in an hour? How many degrees in a circle? This is getting worse, isn't it? 360. Where did that come from? Babylon. Do you see how advanced this nation was? Do you see how big... The face, the the task that Daniel faced. What about religion? Well, they were based on this god Marduk. Now, some of you might recognise Marduk as New... Old Testament name is the name Baal or Baal, depending on how you pronounce it. That was the pinnacle of Babylonian religion. What about this? You think, ah, I recognise what that is. This is the Enuma Elish. The Enuma Elish was the creation story the Babylonians had. Now, we have a creation story. It's called Genesis 1. It's in the beginning God. Now there, the the technical term for it, we have a theogony. It began with God. The Babylonians have a cosmology. It began with the creation of the gods. That's the elish. What about this? This is the Ishtar Gate. Imagine being a 14 to 17 year old lad coming from sleepy duty, where if you were on a good day, you went to see the temple in all its splendor. And this is the first piece of a thing you see in your new home. This incredible gate with blue tiles and lions and just sheer vastness. Do you see now how big the task that faced Daniel was? Well, what about this? This 23-meter-wide processional way, that as you make your way into the city of Babylon, you know and the wonder that is going to fall before you. What are the two rivers that Babylon runs that runs either side? No? The Tigris and the Euphrates major river systems there are still two major river systems in the world now so what did the babylonians have well they gave us irrigation they gave us sailing ships you're a 14 to 17 year old lad who's come from tiny little judah and you've been given the very clear principle that you are going to go and be god's representative in this city do you see now why i said the cultures are so the same you know We sit here with our iPhones and everything else. We have this incredible technology in front of us. We now live the good of everything that they've got. And we see the picture there. Or, you move along and you see this huge building. Etamananke, the house of the foundation of heaven and earth. It was a ziggurat, a tower. Most of you will recall the the Tower of Babel. Babel, Babel, Babylon, do you see the history? This is the task that Daniel faced, and this is what happened to this young man, and this is why it is so amazing when he stood for God in his culture, when he stood for everything that God wanted him to be. And so Daniel would go on to face this series of tests that would put him under pressure, these were tests we're going to evaluate as to how Daniel was to stand for God in his culture. He was going to be given a choice very early on God or idols. You see, the king assigned them a daily portion of his own food. You see, what is interesting is there are those people that suggest Daniel stood up against this because it was against the food laws, the Levitical food laws that said you can't eat pigs and so on and so on. I don't believe that. And I don't believe it for one very simple reason, because this verse doesn't just talk about food, it talks about wine. There's nothing in Scripture that says you can't drink wine, except in moderation. Nothing in that at all. So why is this so significant? Well, it's so significant because it's this. How many of you say grace before you have a meal? Yeah, fine. I wasn't expecting a show of hands, but you know that's good. At least you're learning, and you're learning how I work. And so, is it too far-fetched? to suggest from a nation that was so entrenched in religiosity that food would have been offered to idols. So that's my very brief explanation of verse 5. So they find themselves dining at the king's expense. The king is looking after his protege with incredible food and wine. He's looking after them in such a way that it leaves Daniel with a choice. Does he take the finest fillet steak, or whatever the equivalent was, that Babylon has to offer? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Or does he not? And does he just take vegetables? Well, let's unpack that a little bit very briefly as we. If he takes the finest food that Daniel has to offer, he risks a relationship with God. If he ignores that food and he takes the vegetables, he risks being suddenly detached at the head at the end of the king. That is the choice that Daniel had to take, and we know when we read that Daniel took that. Vegetable option. And he took what would displease the king because he knew it was what would please God. And he made the point of making that very public stand. That is a huge decision for a 14 and 17 year old lad to make. Huge decision. And just how we can learn from being faithful to God in our culture, just like Daniel did. You see, because one of my Kev read a verse in verse 17 that picked up on his. thing that he noticed from Daniel chapter 1 the thing I noticed from Daniel chapter 1 is this verse 8 but Daniel resolved that he would not eat the king's food you see that is what starts Daniel's walk of faith Daniel resolves and so really what I want to do in the very short time that we have left I'm going to use this very shortly because I wanted to build that picture for you of just the culture that Daniel stood in to see the comparison with the advanced culture that we live in and then to look at how now very briefly we can be an example or Daniel can be an example for us if we're going to make a God's stand for God in our culture then we need to do this we need to resolve we need to be willing to put trust in God and we need to give everything to God to let him do with as he needs. So now we come on to another major topic in the book of Daniel, social engineering. It's a subject that comes up time and time again throughout the book. Whether it's Nebuchadnezzar building a statue, as he does later in the book, and ordering everybody to worship it, or a law being written to people to pray for only the king. See, it's an issue that Daniel faces very early on in his education. Ashbenaz gives Daniel new names. He gives him and his friends new names. You see, because the nation of Babylon said this in Genesis 6, let us make a name for ourselves. What did God say to Abram? I will make your name great. You've got these two contrasting images all the way through the picture of Daniel. And so in verse 7, he gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he calls Abednego. What do those names mean? Well, it means this. Daniel means God is my judge. Belteshazzar, may Baal protect his life or possibly treasurer of Baal. Hananiah, God has been gracious. Calls him Shadrach, command of Aku. Aku is one of their other gods. Mishael, who is like Jehovah. Meshach, who is what Aku is. Azariah, God has helped. And Abednego, the servant of Nabu. You see, the Babylonians were interested in changing the names of those people. And yet, what do we learn from that? What do we learn from this? Well, what's Daniel's name in the second half of the book? Daniel. Not Belteshazzar, he's called Daniel. So what does that tell me? That we can trust in the word of the Lord and it will stand for time. We can change the name of marriage. We can change the name of family. We can change the name of individual people. We can identify as whatever we want to identify as in this world at the moment. And yet what we realize is this, the word of the Lord will stand forever. So friends, do we trust God and take him at his word? Because that is how we are going to stand for God in his culture. You see, Charles Spurgeon tells us to be this, to be ready for a bad name, to be willing to be called a bigot, to be prepared for the loss of friendships, to be prepared for anything as long as you can stand fast to him who brought you. How? As we remember this morning, by his precious blood. Friends, this is how we're going to stand for God in his, our culture today. So... God gives them learning. God gives them skills in all literature and wisdom. Daniel knew the Babylonian for bread, whatever that may or may not have been. Daniel understood why and how the nation had gone to where it was at that time. Daniel knew that this nation said that Baal is the greatest. And Daniel says, no, 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 friends, friends. God is the greatest the god he was the one that made a very public step you see daniel understood daniel understood that literature and that wisdom and yet daniel had understanding in visions and dreams friends daniel is a very complex and difficult book to get your grips with or rather the latter part is because it links very clearly with end times and why the world is going to end daniel had understanding he had vision he knew what God was saying and he knew how God was saying it and how important it was to the nation of Israel. Friends, we realize that none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Why? Because when they had made that public stand to God, when they, as a, 14 to a group of 14 to 17 year old lads, said, No, I'm not going to take the food, says, No, I'm not going to believe that. It says, no, I'm not going to let you change my name. No, I am going to carry on being God, the, the, the servant of God. I am going to recognize that my name is Dan E. Ale. God is my judge. I am going to hold God in the highest place, no matter what you throw at me, no matter what this culture teaches me, no matter what I do, whether I do it publicly, whether I do it privately. You want to pass a law later in the that says, I must bow down to you as king, rubbish. I am going to bow down to God himself and God alone. Friends, that is how Daniel stands faithful in his culture. And if we've learned anything this morning, forget the history lessons. As incredible as the Babylonians were, we realize very quickly that the way that we live and we serve for God is we do what Daniel did, and we stand strong in our culture now we need to learn what that culture is we need to understand the people around us what is the world saying and why are they selling it and then friends when we walk out that door it will give us a steel to stand up and be counted for god to take upon what peter said to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have we don't have to be evangelists we don't have to stand on street corners and reach to the whole hundreds of people but if somebody says to you why are you a christian you can give a succinct and clear answer because you trust God in the culture that you live in. You see, what Daniel faced was this. For Daniel and his companions, it was an enormously important decision to stand for God. It it challenged their youthful idealism and it called up their martyr spirit. They felt that they were taking on the whole world to stand for truth. But when later in his life, And as you read the latter parts of the book of Daniel, you will see that he could look back on the incident and see in its true proportion, he still thinks significant enough to make it the first section of the chapter of this book. You see, because Daniel was so keen on standing for God at the very beginning, that God blessed him, because in chapter 10, right at the end of the book, Daniel falls into a sleep, into a dream. And he sees the picture of a river, the great river Tigris. And he sees Christ himself standing above the river as a man standing above the history of time. And he acknowledges right then and there that God blesses him because he stands faithful in his culture. Is God going to bless you? Can I guarantee here this morning that God will go out and give you whatever blessing you need? No, I can't. But I can guarantee this. One day, one day, and for reasons I believe fairly certain, you will see God in all his glory. And you can stand before him, knowing that you have been faithful in the culture that we live in today. Let's pray. pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you that as we've been able to look at this incredible book, and we can see the life of a teenager. And Father, we understand what it is to be a teenager, for everything to be changing around us at such a rapid, uh, a rapid speed that Father, we understand about the world, we'll begin to understand about the world. And yet, Father, we look back on the life of a teenager. And see how that young man, taken from tiny little Judah, and introduced to the might, the pomp and the circumstance of Babylon, that he was faithful to his God. That he was faithful against all that he stood against. And that he realized and he picked up on the fact that if you are faithful right at the beginning of your public life with God, that Father, you are there. That Father, as he went back into that temple and he looked at those vessels and he remembered what you had done for him, that Father, as we have come round the table this morning and we have remembered what you have done for us, Father, help us to, meet, to never lose the wonder of the cross. Father, help us to realize and to recognize that you are a God who is faithful. Help us to be a people who are faithful in you, our God. Lord, realize that we live in a world and a culture that is constantly changing name and their meaning. Yet, Father, we recognize and help us to trust in the word of God, and it will stand forever. Father, we thank you then for our time together, and we ask your blessing on the rest of our day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When our service is over, it's been my privilege to take you through that, that passage of Daniel. I hope you found it challenging. If you have any queries, questions, whatever, then please.